0: Hello, and welcome to yet another episode of The Work. This is a podcast that Gene Achille and I co-host every week. Today, we're going to be talking with George Laroque. Now, George is somebody I've known for at least 5,000 years. Um, um, he, was, he was there at the very beginnings of the digitization of HR tech, um, and... Um, I think he launched he launched his career in HR tech by being in the Air Force as a as an F sixteen crew chief if I if I remember correctly um, and has gone from um, being a sort of a, a an early uh, go to market strategist for ATS systems to somebody who covers the entire gamut of, of the HR tech industry and he has recently. Um, sort of absolutely blossomed to become the dominant um, analyst in the work tech space. Which is, uh, we're going to get him to explain it a little bit better. But it's sort of HR Tech Plus. And George understands the comings and goings, the funding, who's selling what, how to put a system together. He's got the whole, he's got the whole stick down now. And I think what we'll do in this conversation is learn more about work tech. George, how are you?
1: I'm great. We can just end the podcast right there if you want. <laughs> that was
2: fantastic. I'm... I just want to know if 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 George has been around for 5,000 years, John, how come he looks so much better than you and I? Like what, what's your secret, George? <laughs> do you have better lighting or something?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's an avatar, actually. <laughs> there um, you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, tell us about WorkTech and tell us about your work in tracking the funding activity, which is fascinating. I'm so glad you do it, by the way, because you've become the gold standard with regard to that. And the rest of us were our heads were exploding trying to keep up. So thank you for thank you for being our North Star.
1: Yeah, thanks. Well, thanks for that. Well, it's um it's an interesting story because in 2016 or so, I was, you know, doing the analyst advisory thing, still, you know, much of what John talked about as far as bridging between buyers and sellers of technology, looking at trends. And at about that time, in, you know, 2015 and 2016, there were Stories that came out. There was a big um, business section, New York Times piece about all the funding that was coming into HR technology. And I remember reading that article and thinking, I I know about so much more that came into Mm. this space. And then you see the, there are these standard, you know, sources of investment data um, who have all the data like, you know, CB Insights or Crunchbase, but they, they don't really understand, understand our space. And so they would put reports out and I had the same feeling. So I started tracking it and um, a quarter later looked at what they said and what I had, what I saw come across my desk and I realize I'm right. I know about a lot more of this stuff, or I know how to categorize it <laughs> yeah. more, more close so to the easier.
2: source. Close yeah. to the source, yeah. Absolutely.
1: You know, since that time, I've put you know technology into it, and you know built out. Uh, I've got an analytics tool, and it's a it's a it's an ongoing process. And it, I wish I could say that I could just go to one or two sources and get the data. I would do that, but it's it is scraping, um, what is a growing list of sources and with increased attention, um, you know, that the, everything gets more noisy. So, uh, so that's how it started. And now there are, um, quarterly reports that I put out looking back at each quarter, looking over the last, now I've been doing this for over six years. So I've got a lot of trend line data and, it's also fed it's become a really strategic asset for me as an analyst and advisor, because now I've got, you know, every vendor categorized subcategorized I've got tidbits from uh, that. I, that I keep track of, and it's not just the startups. When we talk about this. A lot of folks think little tiny startups, it's startups scale-ups companies that are taking private equity companies that are funding their acquisitions. Um, so it's really everybody that I that I've got, and it's it's um, it's allowed me to look at the size of the market and the trajectory of, of the space in in ways that um, people find helpful.
0: So amazing, you know, it 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 is a problem that didn't really exist ten years ago, right? The right. The, flood, the flood of money and the the interesting shift from venture funding to PE funding has yep. been. Revolutionary, and I don't think most people understand really what's gone on. I saw a piece the other day that described the PE part of this as the hunt for husks into which to dump debt. Um,
2: well, that's elegant. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, well, yeah. You, you know, when you talk to folks who are on the receiving end of the PE money, sometimes that's what it sounds. It sounds like going to jail. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but so, so what that means is that investment is really driving the new product and innovation function and it gets to the question that I wanted to ask you about which is um, at HR Tech this last time you'd be hard pressed to find somebody who wasn't talking about talent intelligence and skills right, right. yeah And there's a lot of money flowing behind that, but is there actually a market need or demand there? Is is the money chasing something real or is the money chasing product in search of a problem to solve?
1: There's a little of both. I I was just on a call earlier today um, and I said, and I said, I said almost exactly what you said. I, I said, you know, I was at HR tech and so many um, providers were talking to me about how they're talent intelligence providers, but I didn't meet one talent intelligence provider at HR Tech. So <laughs> I, I think it's, in some ways, it's the the um, evolution of analytics and reporting. And, you know, data is more fluid. Uh, in some ways, you've got um, companies that are doing... Um, Process automation, and everybody wants a new category so that they can be different from everybody else. So uh, there, there is a little bit of um, you know marketing snake oil uh, problem uh, solution in search of a problem. But I think what it's really speaking to is this emergence of you've got you know labor market data um, that is provided. There are a couple of providers, really the big ones, MC, who provides a lot of this overview of available talent based on job data, uh, et cetera, labor market data from the Department of Labor. Um, and then you've got really in internal, either hiring analytics or talent management, sort of, you know, employee lifecycle analytics and HR data, core HR data, enterprise data. And it's people are are starting to think about you think, bringing all of this together. Um, I've had dinner with To uh, individuals from an insurance company. In fact, I won't say who they were. Gene was actually there at this dinner, and they were talking about (laughs) work data and bringing all of this together.
2: They were fascinating, by the way. I learned so
1: much. (laughs) Yeah, but you don't meet a lot of people like that, right? right? You don't. It's it's early to your point, John. But it's you know so many, especially on the vendor side. So many, to your point, like a lot of investment and talent intelligence is a new you know, a new category or what people are trying to make something new. And it looks to me like the evolution of analytics
0: um, as we, as we knew it. The way that I'm thinking about it these days is up till maybe just before the pandemic started, we'd spent close to 30 years taking paper processes out of paper and putting them online. And everything was a very static paper oriented thing. Yep. And, and what's happened while we were doing that is data, to use your word, got fluid, right? Yeah. And and static processes no longer really make sense because everything is moving faster than that. And so with paper processes like VATS, you get um, um, the ability to handle static data, but we live in a real time world now. Mm-hmm. And so this is the, so to me, talent intelligence is how we take the next step towards real-time data being the backbone of our decision-making.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. And, you know, for some players in the space, it may be where they are on their roadmap. It may be aspirational, um, but, you know, we'll see how that all shakes out. But I, I, um I, that's, that's very astute. You know, we, the, the world is, usually, you know, we're used to talking about the technology as moving faster than, you know, than the world that it's supporting. And it's, it's, um, it's really, you know, the opposite now, where I think there are a lot of, I think we're at, on the edge of something here where, yes, you'll see some legacy players who move forward, but I, I, you know, we're, it's about time to see some of the incumbents. It's usually like, what, a 10 to 15 year cycle. And, you know, we don't talk about PeopleSoft anymore, for example. Um, and you know, we'll we'll be talking about some new players in in a few years that that get this shift to more fluid workflow, more fluid data, more transparency, less concerned about keeping the eyeballs in my platform and more concerned about the solution that's being provided and finding a way to monetize in that world. And and that's a lot of the work tech conversation where the 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 difference between traditional command and control driven hr tech versus more fluid inclusive to the enterprise work technology
2: i think i think that's very interesting um uh, just touching on people's stuff for a second, I, I do still hear from some organizations that are trying to squeeze some juice out of that. Orange. Sure. Um, uh, but you're, to your point, it's diminishing. It, it's definitely diminishing. Can you address some of the MA activity that we're seeing in the category? I, I, I'm wondering to what extent that dovetails with your tracking of the funding, of course. But also, you um, you know, are some of these players going to to be able to outrun some of this this kind of tsunami of market conditions that we have between labor shortages, global potential global recession, um, you know, increasing demands from the employees themselves in terms of their expectations? Um, what what are you seeing in the M and A category?
1: Well. Uh, you know, not every acquisition is the same, right? So there's Mm
2: -hmm. not everyone's a good one. (laughs) Right. Right.
1: There's a tendency, I think, you know, uh, especially folks who aren't really following as closely as we may be um, to think, you know, Oh, they're, you know, they're acquiring a product to plug in or they're acquiring revenue. And either of those might be true. They may be acquiring people. um, And, not every company is good at assimilating what they bought, whether it's mm-hmm. technically or people wise. Um, you know, there are certainly some acquisitions that are happening right now that are fire sale type acquisitions mm-hmm. where you know we can valuations are getting compressed uh, so we can acquire a company, plug a gap on capability, have a great press release, you know, get some bring some revenue in. Uh, at a lower cost than we could have just 12 months ago. Um, Others that are more strategic um, and uh, where multiples might not be as compressed, you know, because of that. And it runs the gamut. You know, I, uh, any given deal, you know, some companies that are very acquisitive right now, that seems to be where their growth is coming from. Um, And I, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but when your, when your innovation is coming through acquisition um, you know, that's, that's a, that's a tough road for your customers because everything looks like an integration for a while. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, that's a, uh, not that it can't be done, but um, your, it's, it's not an easy path to take. Right. And we've, we haven't seen that go well, particularly in our space. Um, and every acquisition opens up some room for other players to come in. So today, uh, iSIMS announced that they acquired, you know, Skill Survey. And mm-hmm. I know that, you know, uh, Searchlight and CrossCheck are probably thrilled about that um, because they're in that reference checking analytics space that Skill Survey is in. And now they're part of, I will become part of iSIMS proper. So as, as mm-hmm. an example. Um, and uh, so I, I think the... We're still in this place where if the market was static, I'd I'd be a I'd be talking about market consolidation, but the market's growing because we've got more adoption. We've got to John's point earlier, things are happening faster the the we're swapping out budgets are still increasing for ta Tech spend for HR Tech spend. Um, market segments like the SMB, you know, Stacy Harris's survey, um, and it maps to a lot of what I'm seeing across the board uh, showed that the SMB is is adopting analytics like what well, I never would have had that conversation. Yeah,
2: We always thought that was a large enterprise play. Yeah. yeah. Things it's like so the, the market's yeah.
1: growing. So I, I think it's uh, from a market leader perspective. Sure, there's consolidation there and you'll see. Companies shore up more revenue, but I think the market's getting bigger, and I think we're going to continue to see more innovator innovators flood in behind each of these acquisitions. I don't know if that's what you're looking for, but that those are my thoughts.
2: Well, i'm I'm seeing I'm seeing a question coming out of John here. I, uh, John, what are your thoughts on this?
0: Well, I'm I'm wondering. So there's there's growth, um, but it seems to me that it's growth that comes from concretizing the ways that we've been doing things, right? And so -hmm. so the the question that I've been thinking about a lot is, how do we stop treating hiring decisions as if they were perfect matches between qualifications and resumes, right? right? And that, because that's caused so much problem in the culture, it's caused so much problem in the economy, it's made work seem like jail because The only job I can get is the job that I have, Mm -hmm. Um, and there's not a good way in any of the technology that I've seen to say, here's what potential looks like, and here's how you hire for potential, and here's how you manage potential, which gives people the experience of being developed. Because if I'm just a cog in the machine, then I am just going to do what I'm paid to do, and and it turns out that it might be the technology that's causing the... uh, I don't like the term "quiet quitting," but the idea that people only do what they're paid to do is exactly a reflection of how they were hired. Mm -hmm. And so, there's a problem brewing here that's non-trivial that I think is getting locked into the mindset that goes. You know, so you look at these big juggernauts like Eightfold, where they take all of the existing data and make it work together. It doesn't give room for. Thinking about new ways of doing things, Hmm. we just get better and better and faster and faster at doing the old shit, and there's a problem there.
1: Right, right. You're you're automating the problem. Uh, Yeah,
0: exactly. You're building it into the infrastructure.
1: Yeah, you know, and I I think you know, it took a um, a global pandemic to accelerate a lot of these issues and shed light on others that we knew were there, Um, and but the world sort of woke up. To what was right. happening, the next one that's coming, it's going to be a little more slower. But it, I, I think this issue is going to get forced, John, one way or the other. Um, I was just reading this week about the number of avail, the ratio of avail- of of workers in comparison to retired folks, and this is a global thing. Japan, Europe, US, yep. um, the numbers going down significantly, it has been going down. So we've got, we just have fewer people, fewer humans to do the, the the amount of work that we've created. And you're going to, as an employer, you're going to have to keep people, you're going to have to find new ways to to automate the work, never mind the process for the humans, but we're going to see more automation, more shop floor automation, but also um, how we find people, how we entice people to join and how we keep them. To your point, these are all things that are going to have to shift because we're just not going to have enough data scientists or manufacturing engineers or healthcare professionals. We're going to have to do it differently and train
2: Well, I mean, yeah, we, we, you know, the birth rates are have dropped, so you're not, you don't have that that um, stream of new entrants into your workforce because we simply don't have the people. But you know, some people would argue that robotics will take over and fill the gap. What do you think of that?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I. I see a lot of really exciting news around that right not just you know the low hanging fruit is the manufacturing floor but I see a lot of uh you know surgery you know nascent things surgery being done remotely via a robotic arm you know across a continent and um as I'm That
2: made me very uncomfortable the minute you said that. So, you're
1: yeah, right, right? Yeah. I that's not I
2: don't think I'm a candidate for that one. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, I um you know, I choose to live in a densely populated state, but I Exactly. I,
2: <laughs> New Jersey rocks, right? George Jersey lots strong services, as we say. Yes, we have lots of services yeah. and lots of restaurant options.
1: But yeah, true. And I, I think that you're the you know, you to your question, I, I think I think that's true. I think we'll see more of that. But um, you know, we're we're humans. We we get, you know, we like uh being with each other, we get value out of that, we get value out of our work, um, meaning out of our work. Um, you know, what is the what is the business uh that you're in? I, I think you're going to have as an employer, you're going to have to, as a company, you're gonna to have to automate everything that you can. Um, but you know, we're still in a, a knowledge and service economy at the moment. So, you know, that that's, you know, you're getting into um, what is it? The intersection intersectionality of machines and humans there. And I, that's 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 more of a for a big thinker like John. I'm 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 not I, I don't have well-formed opinions there yet.
0: So so I'm going to I'm going to drag that back a little bit. One <laughs> of the things that's interesting about the, the so-called labor shortage is that workforce participation is at its lowest point in 40 years. Okay. Right? And, and, so, and so, sure, people are getting older, but the idea that there aren't bodies to go to work is nonsense. The question is, how do you make work accessible to the people who haven't found it accessible um, in the past? Because if you, can bring, if you can bring workforce participation up by 10 points, That gets you another twenty million people um, going to work, and that solves a few problems. Uh, So there's there's a this is my, my concern these days is all about development because that's a development question. That's how do you take people and develop them, and companies don't do a good job of that, and the technology isn't doing a good job of supporting understanding how to take potential and convert it into value.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there are some glimmers. Um, I wish I could remember what uh, companies were driving this, but uh, I saw something the other day about um, uh, disabled individuals that are finding more opportunity than they previously could. And and some employers who are leaning in there. I've seen um, some things around the autism spectrum with some of hope there. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've seen, um, you know, going in and uh, bringing in employees, you know, part-time or fractional from the retired workforce for their expertise. Uh, And just, I run uh, an accelerator in HR tech and uh, it's our second cohort. But what was interesting is each member of this cohort is leveraging folks who are coming back from maybe a family leave type situation back into the workforce, some uh, retired folks and really interested, you know, they they have to find talent to help. And, and so they're right. a little micro So there are glimmers of, of hope around that, but it needs to, we need some, some bigger, de- it's a bigger development issue as you put it, John and policies and bigger movements um, need to happen. But if unless you're, I mean, what like what does somebody like Amazon do? They're seemingly burning through the entire
2: workforce. Good um, heavens, yeah, and, They look you know, at their attrition. They, the the they cost actually, of their attrition.
0: They actually have internal studies to say they're going to run out of people to hire. Yeah, I
1: saw that. I saw that. Yeah, <laughs> good that, heavens,
2: that's yeah. just frightening. That's absolutely frightening. I do apologize. This is such a great discussion, and we're at time, um, George. Tell our listeners how they get in touch with you and how do they follow your tracking of the industry?
1: Uh oneworktech.com. You can go there with the number one or spell it out O-N-E. It gets you to the same place. Um, the uh, tracking of everything, all the content is uh, is available for the cost of uh subscribing to the newsletter. And uh, and there's free there's stuff that doesn't cost that as well. So I'm there, I'm on LinkedIn. And i um, always happy to connect.
2: Thank you so much, George. And, and John, do you have any closing comments? You
0: always no, do. No, no. Congratulations, George. <laughs> you've, really, you've really hit a home run here. It's, it's wonderful to see the success and, and to, to watch how, how well you have developed into this um, seat at the center of the cyclone.
1: Oh, thank, John, from you, that's huge. Thank you for that. And thank you both for having me.
2: Our pleasure. And thank you for listening to this episode of The Work. Stay tuned for another one soon.